Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Regina Sullivan. The opening weekend of the WSL did not disappoint Chloe Sullivan's, but it certainly made some of us look very bloody stupid. On today's show, we discuss the reasons behind Arsenal's disastrous start in front of a record crowd for a WSL game after they lost to Liverpool. Elsewhere, Manchester United left it late to beat Aston Villa. The VAR at Stamford Bridge just about avoids getting a mouthful from Emma Hayes. And Bristol City get off to a very tough start to life back in the WSL. Welcome back, guys. We'll tackle all that and more on today's show. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy. And I'll stop there. I was going to say, we're going to keep going. Uh, happy 40th, Rachel. Like I said, Listen, happy bloody 40th. And God, did we celebrate on Sunday night, didn't we? Some people thought that was true. I know. They were shocked when you said that. I'm not 40, by the way. I'm still in my 30s, I'd like to say. My mid 30s, slap bang in the middle of my 39 30s. years old. 35, 40 for next, 35. next year, right? What are we going to do? Be careful. We're going to talk about your relationship. So right, do right. not give me any more ammunition. Moving swiftly on. What a big, juicy week. Weekend it has been. Can we just first of all address we're back in the studio? Yeah, come on. It feels a bit weird. It's so nice. I've being got headphones on, like we're together again. We've got Rory in the booth telling us what to do, making sure that you know things are still on track after Finn's having a cheeky weekend away, trying you know to sort himself out. We're still doing all the good stuff outside in the room in our prep, and Rory or Finn or Charlie, any of them, every time. Save it for the pod. Yeah, absolutely. Save it for the pod. Thanks, guys. We need you to keep us on track. Um, and keep us on track, you will, because there is so much to bloody get through this weekend. Like I said, last pod, we are women's football experts. I feel really, really safe and secure in that label. However, the opening weekend made us all look ridiculously stupid again. I don't, I disagree. You you disagree. Okay, so when we had our predictions and we said, okay, well, you know, I said Arsenal, title contenders, boom, Arsenal lose the weekend. We were like, oh, it's going to be uh, X, Y and Z in the Champions League uh, spots this season. And all of a sudden, 
Who's at the top of the table? Leicester. Right, and who's second? Brighton. Right, and who's third? Man City, stop the count. It, it's ridiculous. And where are Arsenal? Tenth. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you can lose the opening game to Liverpool of the WSL and still win. But can you? You there can still win margins. the WSL, I'm just saying. There are fine margins. To the Arsenal fans, there are a lot of very stressed out Arsenal fans on social media. They're very, very, very stressed. Do not stress yet. If you lose to Man United, maybe then that stress could notch up a little bit. But look, it's happened before. Teams have lost to Liverpool in the opening game and they've gone on to win the league. So don't get too stressed. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. So just people are getting very stressed. It's week one, guys. It's okay. Right, before we say don't get too stressed, and I absolutely appreciate it's the first weekend, the league was decided in a space of, there was two points between Chelsea and Manchester United last season. Two points, okay? So this is where we're at in terms of like the fine margins. And to start off in that way, I don't think it's appropriate. Anyway, appropriate. it's not appropriate, Ida Von. <laughs> it's not appropriate to make me look this bloody stupid this early on. I don't mind it. So, 1-0, they lose at home. Record-breaking crowd. Over 54,000 people crammed into the Emirates. The vibe around the stadium was huge. In the week before, they just launched this beautiful pink kit, this Stella, Stella McCartney collaboration. They did that like Teletubbies style shoot in the field. It was gorgeous. Everyone looked incredible. There was a big buzz, lovely atmosphere. Everyone was really excited. There was like burger vans out in full force. You've got like stations being shut down. Everyone's out in their front garden. Loads of people wearing like Miedemar shirts, little shirts, everything. The whole shebang. And little thinking, shirts as in Kim Little, not like small not like size. tiny shirts. Unless they were small. Um, in which case they were little, little shirts. Let the bands out, the drums are going, everything. And then all of a sudden, Arsenal collapse at their stadium. Um, you think it's unfair? No, what I just... that face? Well, I just think more credit needs to go to the way Liverpool set up as opposed to Arsenal collapsing. I think, like, the first half, Arsenal were, you know, forced wide. It was a, a tactic by Liverpool. They set up well defensively to nullify kind of Arsenal coming through the middle, force them wide. Um, and it meant then that Arsenal were just, like, flinging crosses in. I think it was um, Flo Lloyd Hughes. Was that Flo? Friend of the pod, I think. Yes. What do you mean you think? Of course. Um... 39 crosses in total into the box, in, in Liverpool's box. And Liverpool had, you know, three central defenders, no bother dealing with them. And I think what's frustrating was the kind of maybe lack of adaptability from Arsenal because they just kept doing it. They had 19 corners in total, um, 18 shots, three on target. Like, they, they're not great stats. Um, but again, you know, hats off and credit to Matt Beard in, in terms of the way that they set up to frustrate Arsenal because they did that. And I think with Arsenal coming out with kind of more possession, more chances in that first half and not getting anything from it, Liverpool are going to go back into that dressing room going, brilliant, this is working, we know what we're doing. Come out with renewed vigour into the second half and score in three minutes. Put themselves ahead and suddenly Arsenal are chasing the game. How can you have 19 corners and not convert a single one of those? That's that's the biggest concern for me. And Didn't I think, they bring in a set-piece specialist at Arsenal as well? Yes, they did. But also, I think we saw the same thing in the kind of, in the Champions League games as well. So it doesn't feel like they're even learning from those mistakes. I mean, they, they should be putting these games to bed absolutely early doors. But we've had a question in from Sophie Adams on X slash Twitter. I don't know what we're calling it now. What do the Twitter, young people I'm calling say? It Twitter, I don't care. Um, she said, do you think the poor Arsenal performance was mainly due to the lack of time uh, for players to gel with the Nations League uh, World Cup or something else? So do we think actually there's a lot of players in this squad who are at the World Cup? Do we think fatigue is set in and actually we should give them a little bit of a break because the scheduling has been an absolute bloody nightmare? So when you talk about this, everyone says you're making excuses. Mm-hmm. It's not an excuse. 
it's it's fact. Like a lot of teams in the WSL, it's undisputable, are going to be have tired players, fatigued players, and not just physically but mentally. Like I don't know how players bounce back from a World Cup, from you know I don't know, say some of your English players, some real devastation in a final, to then four weeks later, five six weeks later, <clears throat> having to switch your brain back on to be like, let's go mentally. I'm in this. Like let's go, let's go. I, I just, physical bit's hard. The mental bit must be so hard. Like, it was Magda Eriksson, I think, um, talking about her time at Bayern because she didn't start uh, matches right right after she joined. She was on the bench for a couple of them and she said that she'd found coming back from the World Cup, obviously physically her body was very tired but psychologically mm-hmm. she felt like quite broken from, from all of that time over in, in Australia and I think that is a massive factor across the league. I think it was Mark Skinner saying he thought the second halves of a lot of these games were going to be quite sluggish. Mm-hmm. Um, I think every team looked like they had fatigue and I think teams like your Arsenals and that who had a lot of players going off for Nations League and you had players in for 10 days and then they were gone again and you know all that kind of stuff it is a factor you can't deny it's a factor but it can't be used as an excuse because when you've got a squad that's stacked you need to be performing and you know it feels like after the Champions League knockout now you've got the first game loss the biggest challenge for Arsenal this season is going to be the mental side of it and we've seen it in the past that when they're under pressure they can struggle under that pressure and I feel like last season they played almost like with a little bit of pressure off because they had so many injuries you know almost like they weren't expected to necessarily go on and win everything Mm -hmm. and I think now with that there is that pressure on them now that the mental side of it getting themselves back into the game it's the same with your Chelsea's your Man City's it's the same with a lot of squads getting that mental shift back into the league you know, last season they had the fact that so many players were injured, they were fighting for each other. There was Absolutely. that kind of grit and determination and that real, it pulled them together and, and maybe that's an area that they're going to struggle with a little bit, I think. But I think even though there is obviously good squad depth at Arsenal, every, more or less, the, the vast majority of players, regardless of who you're actually bringing on, has had some kind of World Cup or uh, Nations League, uh, you know, competition to contend with. So, you know, you look at Arsenal's bench, you know, Hurtig, you've got Blackstinius, you've got Ellistead, you've got uh, Cooney Cross. I mean, every single one of those players has also had to contend with the fact they've had about 30 odd days, most of which have been in pre-season now. So maybe like, what, a week off, two weeks off? And I think mentally, like like you said, I think mentally, emotionally, um, psychologically, I don't think that's good for the players at all. Across the league. Um, and also because of Arsenal's amazing recruitment this summer, you've also got to factor in a lot of these players haven't had any time to gel with each other, to kind of work out who likes what, you know, even sort of the communication and language barriers in, in some in some respects. So I think there's a lot of different things that are going on at Arsenal that Idaval has to contend with. But my God, is the pressure on him now. That is not a great start to the league having just been crashed out of the uh, of the Champions League and I think um you know afterwards he was apologizing to fans which I think was probably a nice thing to do fans did not come along to that 54,000 you know Emirates game expecting their sort of like massive title contending beautifully dressed squad to to go out in that or to start the league in that fashion he said when he was asked about whether the loss was significant, he said it's big. Uh, the Champions League exit or not, it's really disappointing to lose a game, especially at home, especially having 54,000 fans that turn up and give incredible support. Uh, also, shout out to the fans, how they supported the team and all the way to the final whistle was incredible. He wanted to thank everyone and sorry we didn't perform better. <sighs> it's like Tim Stillman um, spoke a little bit about this in his piece, Friend of the Pod, another one. Um where he spoke about the Arsenal played a back three, Lotta Wubben, Moy, Jen Beattie, Steph Catley. And we, and we talk a lot about their recruitment this summer, but one area they didn't really recruit was the right back. Mm-hmm. 
and Noel Moritz was injured. So straight away, first game, you're having to shift the pieces around a little bit. It was um, Chloe Lacasse, I think, that, that played there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, already you're kind of saying, yes, let's talk about the recruitment, but you've a, an issue straight away in your first game, um, which isn't ideal. And I just, it's the, the lack of scoring we've seen in the past um, number of seasons with Arsenal. That's an area that is concerning if they're not, if they're creating all these chances and they're not putting the ball in the back of the net. And, you know, they need their Beth Meads, their Miedemas back pretty sharpish, I reckon. But, you know, there's also this issue of managing players. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Illicet didn't start. Yeah. You're looking at that going, 39 bloody crosses, I'd have her up there. <laughs> you know, she scored how many from corners and set pieces in the World Cup? Um, but obviously, you have to manage minutes there. You see it with Chelsea, they Sam Kerr not even in the squad. So we probably will see more player management, which is good. We want that. Um, but yeah, it just, it just means in those situations, it can be problematic at times. And it just puts even more pressure on that Man United game, which is coming up on Friday. That was a hard enough game for your second game of the season to have lost the first game. More pressure away at LSV, where their fans are super loud. That is probably the game that you, bar maybe Chelsea would have been like the other one that you were like, absolutely bloody not. This is probably the the last thing they fucking wanted right now. Um, So yeah, good luck, Arsenal. I still believe in you as title contenders, but you know, you've got to pick it up because there is a matter of points in between, you know, winning, losing this season. Losing your first game is one thing. Losing two games in a row, you're suddenly chasing. That starts to look like Chelsea in the Premier League last season type vibes. Do you know what I mean? Six points is a drift is going to be hard hard to claw back in this week. Man City did it. Man City keep doing it. They keep losing all these games that start the season. Not this season. Do you know why? Keep losing all these games that start the season. Then after January, pick themselves back up and sort of just about claw into like top four type vibes-ish. That's not enough for Arsenal. They need to be winning the league to get back into Champions League. Well, silverware has been far and few between well, for you guys for a number of years. Um, they need to win the league to get into Champions League, but you get my drift. Let's switch over. Let's have another brief look at Liverpool because I do think defensively they were amazing. I mean, Matt Beard was a full of praise for them and rightly so. Defending that amount of crosses coming into your box, conceding absolutely zero and walking away with the points at the Emirates is probably not something they may be expected to do on the first game. But are we going to see a Liverpool returning to sort of like the you know the glory days, the 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 days of kind of like days of yonder gone of well, kind of <laughs> <laughs> Matt Beard was very quick to like calm people down a little bit. He did say that, you know, we beat Chelsea the beginning of the season last season and it was all everyone was talking about and then he said we didn't pick up I think a win for four games or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, yeah. So he's trying to like manage expectations, but you know, to finish where they finished mid-table last season in their first season back is unreal. And Not he'll bad. want to do, to improve on that, I think. Yeah. Um, so they're bloody going about it the right way. They've recruited well. And, you know, you have to factor in, they had injuries and COVID issues in the squad this week. Mm-hmm. So they didn't even have their full depth either. So yep. you got to give them kudos for that. Uh, and of course, laws and goal as well, mm-hmm. player of the match performance. Absolutely. So it was definitely an all-round solid team performance and hat tip to Matt Beard. I just think like where you where they've come from, they're, they're fairly new back into the WSL. I mean, last season finishing seventh, I don't think anyone thought that they would win this game. Although, yeah, like you said, they have obviously picked up, you know, points against big squ- uh, big squads. But last year, they didn't win a single game away from home. Um, and that is... And to go, to go on and do 54, that. 54,000 <laughs> the Emirates. Yeah, no bother. It's absolutely huge. Um, so we've got a question from Lena Solheim uh, on Instagram. Do you think Liverpool got lucky or do you think there's hope for a great season? Do we think this is a kind of 
not a maybe not a top three Champions League type contention, but do we think this is their sort of their villa season where they're sort of encroaching into that, taking points from the big sides, you know, get going in that direction because that is the next step for them. I wouldn't. I'd kind of go somewhere in the middle. Okay. I, I don't think they got lucky. I, you know, I, I, maybe there was an el- a element of luck here and there, but I think a lot of it was down to how they set up and they kind of enforced their form formation and their style of play on Arsenal that then Arsenal tried to work around and couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also wouldn't like go crazy given you know a similar opening day last season. Um, but I think yeah, I think. They're going to be looking to to improve on last season and move a little bit further up the table. But you have to factor in they're not the only ones who have improved in the league. So yeah, there's a lot of people they're going to have to be contending with. But they'll be looking around at you know teams in and around them and be expecting to pick up points there where maybe they didn't last season. For sure. I mean, a big summer of recruitment for them as well. I think they had 11 new signings. So Matt Beard bringing that all together in such a short space of time is nothing short of incredible. But also... Again, you kind of go back to the fact that not a lot of the Liverpool players were sort of in contention or in and around the sort of international squads as much. So they've had more time together to kind of gel, to get that cohesion. So maybe that is a factor. Maybe these middle table teams who haven't got all these big international superstars are actually going to come through this season. Watch this space. Uh, we've got to give a massive shout out to former <laughs> Arsenal striker Jodie Taylor, who called time on her career last week. Also a big friend of the pod. Her podcast last um, last season was incredible. So give that a listen back. Uh, she played for 17 different teams in six countries wow. and we love chatting to her. Yeah, her journey yeah. was great to listen to. It was just the insight that she was giving us about her role getting back into the England squad and how the she had to like... and resilience. Yeah, fight her way back in. And you look at the kind of career that she's had. I mean, that's absolutely, yeah, absolutely unbelievable. So yeah, congratulations, Jode. Put your feet up, hun. Uh, you deserve it. Uh, like we said, Arsenal go to Manchester United on Friday uh, at Lee Sports Village, just the best ground in the whole of the WSL, uh, in a, an industrial car park in the arse end of nowhere. Um, Man United beat Aston Villa uh, 2-1 with two late goals. Let's talk about this. Oh, my God. What a hairy game this was. I mean, first of all, I'm going to give a, a massive, massive goalkeeper shout out to Daphne van Domselaar for an incredible uh, save in the sort of, um, you know, the, the first bits of the game. And I just thought, this is how her season is going to go. What We said this before, Baldy, what an absolutely cracking signing that was. Um, yeah, but it was... Just a very beautiful game. It was such a battle. And I think this is where we were going to see that kind of like that third Champions League spot. And this is what I was saying. I think Villa, even though they lost this game, are going to pip United to it because the the grit and determination and Manchester United weren't getting a lot of things right. I mean, that first Rachel Daly goal, there were three defenders around her, not anywhere. like They were like, what, two, three feet away from her? How are you giving time to race to someone like Rachel Daly in the box, in the penalty area? that close to goal and not man-marking the absolute crap out of her. How are you not doing that? And I, also, I don't think Earps did well enough with that goal. And then, and, then, and I hate... It, it hurts. Can you see it on my face? <laughs> it's painful. You kind of stuck a leg out, but I don't think that was good enough being beaten at the near post. There was a, lot of, there was a few defensive errors that I wasn't happy about with Man United. What I love about you saying you think Villa are going to pit Man United, uh, talking about a game that Man United beat Villa in, um, <laughs> I think the, told you I was an expert. <laughs> we did speak about this last season about Man United and the real shift was their ability to see out games mm-hmm. because it had been one of the things in the past where they they'd maybe start well but not see out games and and it was that I always bang on about it the mentality side of things for them to go one nil down in the eighty what eighty fourth was it maybe minute yep. 
to then be able to come back and score not one but two goals, mm-hmm. you know, going at, and another thing, looking at their bench, looking at their depth, bringing yep. on they brought in some brilliant signings, yeah, but bringing on Nikita Paris and Rachel Williams, who else, to go on and 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 finish that game and get the three points is incredible, and that's a big shift for a team because it means you know you're never down and out, and that's yep. a big change for a team to be able to to turn games around and say, yeah, you've scored in the 80-whatever minute. Like, Arsenal conceding the 48th. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't have been a concern. But I think a lot of fans felt worried when they conceded to get back into it. And it was a different type of game. But United can concede that late and and know themselves that they can get back into it. That's a huge change. Um, well, how can you not know that you're going to get back into it when you bring on Rachel Williams? It's almost like... Guaranteed it's a, goal. It's an open-shut case. I'd be on the... If I was on the other team, I'd be like... No. Sake. No. Fucking Don't hell. bring her on. She's going to score. So the stat was that she's not actually started in in seven the last seventeen of Man United's games. But what she's done in the last like two or three minutes, scored in every single one she gets. <laughs> she's has basically propelled them Inevitable. to the season they had last year. Um, but I just think it was, and I just I felt so sorry for Daphne like uh, for Daphne Van Domselaar, DVD. I'm going to call her for the rest of the season because that name is, is slightly wordy. Uh, but she's gone over to the right hand side. The cross has obviously come across in the right position, and then she's been completely wrong footed. And this this header is just dribble ass bounced into like <laughs> <laughs> that's the only way to to. And she just watched it. There was nothing she could do, even at a long stretch. She wasn't even with the the power, the explosive power that that DVD has. There was absolutely no way that she was going to make it. And I just see the the soul just being sucked out of the Villa, the Villa players in that moment. And um, yeah, not great. Obviously, they were at home at Villa Park. They managed to get 12,533 fans, which is a WSL record for Villa. So amazing stuff, like attendance-wise, all around this weekend. But but yeah, not great. Um, obviously, Lucia Garcia, the goal scorer. Lucia Garcia. Lucia Garcia had an absolutely worldy game. Uh, but she said this after the game. Attic moments during that game. How physically tough was it, Alba? I mean, they so fucking tired. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Skinner did warn that people were going to be tired and she was fucking tired. I mean, what else can you say? I love her honesty. I think they should interview her more after games. That's what we want in the WSL. We don't want these, um, I don't know, media savvy answers. You know, we played really well. We need to come back and reflect. We need the things Team we need effort. to work on. We want, yeah. no, we were fucking shattered, mate. And we've got to go out again next Friday. And I'm fuming about it because I wanted a night in with a bottle of wine to watch Strictly. What's on on a Friday? I, I don't, don't even know. know. I don't watch terrestrial TV I'm going to be up at LSV on Friday. I don't know what happens on Fridays anymore. Um, she, you know, she played really well and I'd also think JC looked so, she's frightening. <sighs> if I was a Man United fan, I'd be like, oh my God, look the, how well she's playing and it's the first game. This the pace, the pace and the fact that she forced that uh, DVD save in like the opening minutes was absolutely unreal. I'm excited like, about her this season. She's going to cause absolute havoc. Watch this space. Just tighten up with the back a little bit. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Chelsea. Let's get stuck into it. Still keeping at the top of the table. We talk about Chelsea being mentality monsters. Uh, They obviously, beginning their title defence, won the last three WSL titles. Is is this their fourth? Is this actually going to be their fourth? And we look at the game they had uh, at Stamford Bridge. Not a great crowd there. Only just over 14,000 people at that game. I don't think, there's there's probably some criticism to be levied, I think, at the way in which the game was promoted. When you look at what Arsenal achieved with their numbers despite their performance Chelsea still have a little bit of work to do in that respect but game wise let's get stuck into the nitty gritty because I think before we even get stuck into Chelsea we need to talk about Spurs because Spurs aren't necessarily one of the most exciting or haven't necessarily been one of the most exciting teams to watch just in case we didn't lose the Spurs fans last episode you're just going to really make sure now are you yeah, I mean, and it's hard for me because obviously I did play for Spurs for a you know a great amount of time. I'm and not bitter. I, I'm not bitter at all. That's all about the whole experience. I really don't care. In the slightest. Uh, wipes away a tear. Um, I just think they looked exciting. I was excited by seeing a squad that I didn't really think was that exciting. I think the way they were passing the ball in the uh, especially in the first half was amazing. The little there. Uh, Three-way combinations they were finding on the wings. I thought Marta Thomas was, whilst not being the best finisher, was one of the sparkiest players on the pitch. I thought she was causing absolute havoc at the promising, back. Promising, very yeah, promising. The, 100%. The link of play between Bizet, her, uh, Drew Spence, very exciting, finding each other with really... Right, this stat, I need to, I need to talk about this Go stat on. because I think it's incredible. Go on. Spurs created 15 chances. No, I won't believe it. 11 of them were on target. No. I feel like that's more than the goals they scored last season. I might be wrong, but like that's all of the Beth England's goals. But I just, that is incredible against Chelsea to have 11 shots on target is unreal. And it just, that's like a world away from the Spurs we were watching last season. At one point, sat in the press box for this game, all of Spurs were in Chelsea's half. No. I was like, are you all right? They must be lost, surely. Even the defenders at one point, they stepped over that line and they were all, I was like, this is a different Spurs Villamon, uh, I think what he's doing is exciting already. Mm-hmm. And he spoke about wanting to bring in the Spurs brand. Um, and I feel like we're already seeing like a style of play that we can recognise and, yep. you know, get excited about. So, you know, yeah, Thomas maybe not at her sharpest yet, mm-hmm. um, but it's exciting. It's an exciting prospect, I think, for Spurs fans to be seeing those connections already. When you bring Beth England back into the mix, um, when she's back from injury... Could be exciting. I feel like it's still a very transitional period for Spurs, even though this is their, I think their fourth year now back in the in the WSL. Um, it still feels like there's been a big change of managers. Obviously, going from Karen Hills and Juan to then Rianne Skinner, now to Rob, and that's like three managers in four seasons. Is you know, that's, don't that's, forget Vicky in between. Vicky Jepsen sort of interiming there as well, and then at the same time, you've obviously got a big change of players. You've got you know changing over your facilities, going to Brisbane Road. There's a lot going on, I think, with that squad. And I feel like maybe this is their kind of, um, you know, they are a mid-table team. With all, I don't think there's any real, maybe I'm, I'm going to be. Maybe not yet. It's that. But they do look like they definitely head in the right direction now, which is exciting to watch. But yeah, I was really impressed with Martha Thomas. It was weird. 
seeing her in a white and blue kit. It <laughs> yeah. was odd. It was a bit jarring, but I think she's definitely going to be one to watch for them, filling in that gap that, that England's obviously obviously left. So I think yeah. as well, they knew it was a good time to play Chelsea, right? You, they're, they're just first game of the season. Absolutely. Um, and I interviewed a few people pre-match and every single one of them were like, Chelsea haven't won a game, opening game, four years, four seasons, four. And I was like, oh my God, all right, Jesus. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, they would have been looking at that game like, a number of the teams, as we've talked about, would have had tired players. They were resting players. Sam Kerr, not even on the bench. Um, Chelsea are still so stacked. Mm. All the same. Fleming, Perisay, Cuthbert, like all these players weren't even starting. It's it's crazy, but a good time to play them. You know, finding their feet, finding their new connections. Um, so I think Spurs would have recognised that. But for Chelsea, me official. Whew. She looks good. Jeez. She looks sharp. And I was uh, I was tweeting because Sophie was coming from the Arsenal game and she was writing for the Guardian, so I was doing a bit of tweeting, and I was like, oh, I haven't really tweeted much at the moment. And I went, do you know what? Mia Official's looking sharp. She is looking like an exciting player of this season. And literally minutes later, she scored, and I was like, called it, called it. But on Twitter, I think that I mean, you know, massive shout out to Chelsea comms team because they were saying, um, is it Big Fish? Big fish for the opener, something like that, which I thought was a great right. leapt up. Yeah, like a, a salmon. great title. Very uh, good. Yeah, well done, Chelsea comes to like, really what appreciated a that. Dream debut for her. Isn't she a Chelsea fan as well? Uh, I think she might. Yeah, be. Yes, so like at Stamford Bridge. Just. I mean, the last time I think that Chelsea actually won an opener was when I was playing for them, and the first game of the season was. At, you were playing for Chelsea. At, no, oh my God, Christ no! Jesus, so, uh, Jesus we haven't talked about. I that was enough. never that good. <laughs> Good lord, I wish. Uh, I was. It was again. I was with Spurs, and it was Beth England who scored an absolute rocket in like the fifth minute. And then we know it was going to be a very difficult year for us, and and then it was. But yeah, I think that was the last time, and that was. God, I was young back then. I was a young whippersnapper in my twenties. That's not true. Here we are. Um, I think as well for me, official to basically be asked to step in for Sam Kerr. That's a that's a big ask from your manager. And first game of the season at Stamford Bridge, London derby, scores opening goal, and then we had a trademark Lauren James goal. Thank God. Gorgeous. Because in the previous build-up play, the ball had quite clearly crossed the line. Well, let's talk about this. Let's. So there was a lot of controversy when Guru Rison's goal wasn't given uh, when the ball clearly crossed the line. Obviously, VAR wasn't in this game. Uh, Chelsea did actually trial VAR at Kings Meadow in one of their uh, pre-season friendlies against AS Roma. Uh, but it's obviously not widely available across uh, the WSL at all at the moment. So I think there's going to be, obviously prompted a lot of discussion, a lot of debate about whether it should be brought in, but or we're not at that stage goal line technology would that be a step uh, I would. I think that's probably the bare minimum I mean VAR is still a little bit controversial but you can't well, really argue with a goal going in yeah it's funny isn't it because right now in the men's game <laughs> everyone's talking about how VAR it, the controversy and how it's ruining the game and then in the women's game we're like where the hell is VAR <laughs> please <laughs> um, but yeah at least goal line technology because that was the clearest goal I think um, what would be really frustrating for Becky Spencer and goal as well is that there was a moment right before that where she was coming for the ball and mm -hmm. I think it might have been Harrod James decided to try and clear it and yeah. poorly cleared it and it was like that whole thing could have just not happened if Spencer just caught the ball and ended the, the play but luckily it came back out um, and it was whipped in for a classic LJ finish mm -hmm. um, and it meant it kind of spared the blushes of, of the referees because that game had ended 1-1 and that goal hadn't been given Woo! Jesus. Hayes will be raging. Well, Emma Hayes has made the case that VAR should be in place across the league to avoid cases like this happening. Absolutely understand why. Uh, and Carla Ward obviously expressed her frustrations as well after Villa's defeat, saying officials working in the WSL should be full-time. So there's obviously a lot of debate happening about how we officiate the game, what the best thing is for it. Obviously, 
you know, we talked in, in a couple of uh, pods back about, you know, Dawn Airy and Sue Campbell's comments that, you know, this is going to grow into a billion pound league. But how do we get to that standard and that quality if officiating is still, you know, we're having these ridiculous decisions being made or not decisions being made? I also respect the way Carla Ward went about it because she's right. Like it, you get frustrated at the referees because they're the ones on the day making the call. But if you're not giving them all the tools they need mm-hmm. to be full time, it's it's unfair then to to be directing your anger at them. And I think she was right in saying it's the powers that be. Like, we we need to give referees the option to be full-time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a hard one. I know there's referee shortages kind of around the game. um, But the more they get targeted, the less, the harder it is to get referees into the game, right? So if we're at least giving them all the tools and equipment and the full-time and everything they need to be full-time referees... I mean, that seems to be the right way to do it. Well, you can't do uh, an absolutely incredible job if you've got your hands tied behind your back. And that's essentially what the situation is at the moment. I mean, if you've got, you know, referees who are coming in off the fact that they've had, you know, part-time jobs, other jobs, other commitments going on, uh, and then they're stepping into these situations and they're not having the same amount of, you know, game time, I suppose, that maybe Premier League referees are having because obviously we've only got 12 teams in, in the league um, and the rotation and, and things like that. I don't, I don't think you're going to get to that stage for a number of, Years. I uh, met a referee at the PGMOL training that mm. I went to last season who was a surgeon. A surgeon? And a referee. Bloody loves it. And like, this is like, opened my eyes a bit to it because you have to factor in like, if it's not your full-time job, then it must just be a passion that mm-hmm. you're willing to do every weekend, whatever the games are, because you love it. Well, they're not doing it for the money. No. And then when you are bl- like, look, I know everyone makes mistakes, but then when all of the blame gets put on the referees rather than as Carla Ward did, the powers of B, where we need mm-hmm. to have all the, the tools in place to at least allow them to be at their best. It's like all the criticism goalkeepers used to get when they didn't even have a goalkeeping coach, you know, yeah. and you'd, you'd be so frustrated because you're like, you need the wider context. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, we argue about VAR and goal line technology. Let's get the refs full time. Absolutely. And I think the more the refs get these kind of criticism, I think there's a big fear there that, you know, the they start to sort of creep into, you know, abuse happening, you know, people not wanting to go into being a referee because, and not just across the women's game, across the men's game as well. We see so many clips, of, you know, going online about, you know, referees getting abused, physically abused, Who was your man abuse. going through the airport last season with his family? He was literally being like, harassed in the airport it's I mean why would you want to go I, I mean I have full credit for referees they get a lot of stick a lot of shit a lot of stick and I think um, if we don't sort of curb this and nip this in the bud at the moment and come out in sort of defensive referees to some extent um, then I think we're going to end up with absolutely no one wanting to be a ref uh, and therefore games can't go ahead and the whole league collapses so that is what shall we shall we bring it back to a positive note yeah go on Fran Kirby. Yeah welcome back come Things on you love to see and it was really nice I had some Spurs fans in my mentions who were like, I'm not even a Chelsea fan, but it's so good to see her back. Um, she got a beautiful reception at Stamford Bridge. Bloody hell, she looked sharp when she came on. Didn't she just? She nearly scored with her first touch or she created a chance with her first touch. I was like, oh my God. Didn't she Like just... she's never been away. Didn't she talk about playing in, with pain for like most of her? It's a great article by, I think it was Molly Hudson who did it. So well worth a read. Yeah, welcome back, Fran. Really appreciate that. Um, yeah, seeing her at Stamford Bridge, I think, was was definitely a highlight of the weekend. Um, apart from the fact that we all looked really stupid. Uh, so, Chelsea, we. I don't really feel like I look that stupid. But anyway, carry on. All right, nice. Just me then. You call me forty. Get what you give. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Emma Hay said after the game, we took our time to grow into the game, but when we went one nil up, then two nil up, then we got complacent. She said we started playing like the Harlem Globetrotters Ooh. and forgot to do some basic things, and that she was disappointed. But what a reference! I know. But also hats off to Spurs because they didn't like. There were times in the second half where I felt like they regressed a little bit into mm-hmm. just really, really deep defending. And then 
they got that that goal from a, a, an uncharacteristic Musevich spill, and their tails were up, and they were the tension ratched up like they were pushing for Aye. an equaliser. So that's, again, that's just another example of that change in mindset at the, in that team, which is exciting. Some would say the gaps in the WSL are getting smaller. A little bit, yeah. Mm. Right, let's take a deep dive down to what classically or historically was the bottom of the table. Um, But we just don't know where Bristol City will probably win the league this year. Uh, They started life in the WSL with a 4-2 loss at home to Leicester City. Uh, I mean, we were obviously a little bit worried about them. Uh, We put our predictions down. We both thought that they were going to be relegation contenders. Um, And this result kind of suggests that that may be the case. Uh, Leicester only scored 15 goals in the whole of last season, which is the worst scoring record in the division. So they've already um, scored a quarter of that tally in their first game. Yeah. Brilliant. Which is outstanding. Um, Rach, you obviously often bemoaned their lack of balance. Uh, is there anything that you want to add about this? Any kind of, um, you know, any points, I suppose, that you picked up on in terms of looking like Leicester are actually not going to be in and around the kind of swamp of the relegation discussions well I mean listen they they should put that table up on the wall now because they're top of it um, will you ever see that again maybe Willie, Willie Kirk had said he wanted to come in he said this to the team that they he wanted to make them a ball playing team and I think he said some of them looked at him like I think they had like on average 40% possession or something mm-hmm. you know and I think he's doing that like to be able to have so to be able to play Bristol as your first game mm-hmm. Would it, is a good opportunity to try and play your style of football, right? Yes, and it sure. will give you that confidence yeah. that it can work. You can score goals. And some of the goals, like, it's quite funny how this happened. So, um, Carrie Jones used to play for Leicester, went to Bristol, scored the opening goal for Bristol. Amy Palmer used to play for Bristol, went to Leicester, scored the opening goal for Leicester. And what a goal it was from Palmer as well. I love those little coincidences um, in football. But, yeah, I think... We're seeing a bit more of what Willie Kirk wanted to do. We saw them improve under him when he took over, but mm-hmm. it's very hard to to turn that tide when you're halfway through a season and you take over on zero points. You know, he kept them up brilliant. Um, but I think now that he's gotten more players into the team that he wanted, he's made that more of his team now. They had a lot of turnover. Mm-hmm. You know, Hannah Kane spoke preseason about how excited she is about the players that have been brought in. There's a real vibe about that squad, a real positive vibe. So I think to start against Bristol would have been a positive for them. They would have looked at that game and said, we've got to get a win. Um, they've got Everton next. You know, if they could beat Everton, it'd be a tough game. Could you imagine like six points in the first two games would be unreal. Um, for Bristol, you know, they're going to have looked at Leicester as circling around the bottom last season. That's a team we're going to identify to try and get points mm-hmm. off of and to be hammered 4-2, to let four goals in is is worrying. It's not the best start for them. It's probably what people may... I think people expect maybe it to be a little bit more evenly balanced game, given sort of how Leicester have been. But also they have recruited so well, like obviously bringing in uh, Deanna Rose, uh, new silence, uh, Jusa Rantala. Um, and I did think they looked... I mean, Leicester looked quite spicy. Well, I was, three of the four goal scorers were newbies. Yeah. And I just thought, okay, well, this isn't going to be the same kind of... It felt like a different vibe for Leicester. It felt like a kind of more exciting vibe for them. And the way they were playing just felt a little bit more fluid. Maybe the pressure's off because I think it is a little bit off for like the relegation teams that are literally at the start because... No one's expecting much from them. Everyone's sort of looking at who's going to be the WSL title contenders. We don't really start talking about the relegation battles until. But they're going to have identified those early fixtures, yeah, and say we have to get points on the board. And it's really interesting how the fixtures have come come together because we've got 
we had Brighton taking on Everton. Um, we've got Brighton now taking on West Ham next week. We've got Everton taking on Leicester. Bristol taking on Spurs. Like mm-hmm. these potentially these teams. Well, I did pick Brighton to be top six, but potentially these teams are looking at each other, going, "This is where we got to get our points. We have to get our points in in these games." Um, and it could be quite like not decisive. I'm not going to be that dramatic, but you know, Bristol could be six points adrift, or you know, Leicester could be six points after after two games. You know, it's it's we talk about it being a short league and we talk about top teams losing two in a row can be mm-hmm. problematic. It's the same at the bottom. When it comes to last season, it could come to goal difference or like a single point. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's exciting down there as well. well I say down there, less for top. Well, that? I think um, that is one of the interesting things that you do at the start of the season. So we're both teams that I've kind of played for in the round at WSL and Championship. Like at the start in the pre-season, what you'll do is you'll sit down with your coaches, you'll sit down with your team in a classroom and you'll, you'll, have a go, you'll literally go through the fixtures and you'll all work out okay, these are the ones that we should get three points for. These are the ones that we're going to get the draw for. These are the ones that we're probably not going to get the points or it would be a bonus if we did. And then you kind of tally it up and you're like, okay, well, 23 points would be our absolute bottom line here. This would be a great season. This would be a crap season. This would be somewhere that we're expecting to hit. So I think for Leicester now, I mean, going obviously from uh, 10th last season, uh, they're on 16 points alongside Brighton. Then obviously Reading dropping down with 11 points. I'd be accepting they should be somewhere around 23, 24, 25 points. And that was enough for Liverpool to take seventh seventh place in the WSL. So that, that should be, that's not unachievable for that side. So that's all you need, guys. It's about 20, 23 points, that, That's all. Points. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so you've already easy. got three of those. So <laughs> Listen, you've scored a quarter of your goals. You've got three points. <laughs> what more do you want? Crack on. It's literally, it's in your bloody hands. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they achieve. But I would like to see some, move, some movement from Leicester. I think they've been in the WSL long enough now. They've always been this relegation discussion. And I think now the next stage for them is moving into at least sort of like the safe zone where we're, we're not having, we don't, they're in that middle. That They're not in the relegation back. chat this season. They've yeah. been removed from the WhatsApp group this yeah. season. Okay. 100%. Yeah. Nice. I know what you did there. Is that our new That's, our That's new analogy, thing, isn't, it? isn't it? Yeah. It's a WhatsApp group. Yeah. Who's okay. in and out of the uh, the WSL title contender WhatsApp groups. And relegation chat. Yeah, yeah. Mid-table chat. Right. I think you're on something there. Okay. Okay. Well. You can just imagine like Leicester has entered the top chat. The WSL chat. <laughs> Welcome to the top table. And then next week. Leicester oh. have left. No. <laughs> listen. They're taking on Everton. It could go either way. It's absolutely true. There are some spicy fixtures coming up. Obviously, you've got Man United, Arsenal on Friday. Uh, then you've got Brighton, West Ham, Man City, Chelsea at the Ooh, Academy Stadium, which tasty. is going to be an absolute spice. Uh, Spurs, Bristol. Let's see if they continue their flying form, Spurs. Uh, well, I mean, they're lost, but yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but they were also played really they were well. Good. So Both I'd teams say, on zero points. I'd but say yeah. flying form. This is um, like you saying Villa on their flying form and they lost as well. Yeah, but they're allowed to be on flying form and okay. still lose. Right. Anyway, Liverpool. It's like Aston the, listen. Villa. It's Emma Hayes's geese formation, right? They're the geese at the back. They're still flying. Yeah, yeah. But they're just not at the front. Yeah, fine. All okay. right. Another analogy there. It's going to get very. You confusing know, very I quickly. love an analogy. Uh, and then Leicester Everton at the King Power Stadium as well. And then we go into the Champions League fixtures next week. Man United taking on PSG, which is going to be <sighs> ooh la la. It's going to be a spice. It's going to be an absolute... I can't wait to see them play European cha- uh, Championship football for the first time. That is just going to be... Um... And it's across two legs as well. So, like, it's one of those. Like, it could be so exciting. You could be, like, you know, first league. First game, 
you could be like way down. You have to go into the second game. It's a massive battle, or maybe it's really tight, or like it just makes it so exciting across the two legs. And yeah, they couldn't have picked worse opposition to start their yeah, that's uh, fair. European yep. campaign. Yep. But I think um, you know, put your money where your mouth is. Right, you've got these incredible new sign-ins. Like, let's go, Man United. Like, yeah, cracking. Uh, so we'll see how they do. The second leg is on the 18th of October uh, over in uh, Paris. So yeah, bring it on. Bring it on, Paris. Paris. Uh, Rach, out of all those exciting fixtures, where are you going to be this weekend? What are you up to? I'll be making the long drive up to LSV <sighs> on Friday. Mm. Excited for the game, not excited for the drive. Yeah. Um, for Man United Arsenal, that will be great. Uh, we're going to pop across to Sheffield on Saturday. Nice. Um, I believe they've got a special kind of commemoration as well before the match for Maddie. Um, and then on Sunday, I'm doing Brighton, nice. I believe. Brighton West Ham. Oh, you're going down there. Nice little trip to the yeah, seaside. Yeah, I think that's the one I'm doing. Yeah, as far as I remember. Oh, right, nice. Yeah, Good but job. I'm listen. There's some exciting games between your Uniteds, your Cities, your Chelseas, your Arsenals. Mm. I'm excited for all these games: the Leicester's, Everton's, Bristol's, Spurs. Like these could all be games you could look back on at the end of the season and say, "That's where they got themselves up," or "That's where." They lost the opportunity to stay up. All of that stuff. So it's exciting. It's a matter of points. It's a matter of points. So, uh, yeah, I will be at home on Friday watching Man United uh, destroy Arsenal uh, at home. And then after that, I'm going to look like an idiot now. And I, I've completely sold myself down the river with that one. Uh, and then I'll probably be watching Man City and Chelsea because that is just... Um... Who will you be watching the game with? Just as a matter of interest. My Give f- us an update. My friends. Your friends. <laughs> Give us an update. All right. Rach has been, been hilarious. Been absolutely hilarious. I did, a, I did a hard launch today of me and the missus. And... Like it's my fault that you hard launched your relationship on social media. Yeah, but... Oh, don't ask me about it. Don't ask me about me being successful on Hinge. Come on. I met, I met the girlfriend. <laughs> She's very nice. That went down well. You've done well. What do you mean? That went down really well. Why no. are you making that sound like a bad thing? No, I said it went down really well. We had a lovely drink after the Chelsea game. And then you sent me a secret photo of Of me. you two looking cute. Yeah, saying, what was it? What was Sap. It? Yeah, Sap. Right, great. I've changed your name on my phone to Sap. Right, great. All right, well, there's nothing wrong with being in love, nothing guys. Wrong with love. Do you know what I mean? Not... All right. Drop the L word. Christ. Hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. Oh, oh my God. God. That's right. so embarrassing. Well, that's all God, good. you're doing so much so early. Get well, that ended U-haul. quickly. All right, well, uh, moving on. Uh, thanks for listening to today's episode. Uh, remember, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I am at Morgie underscore 89. Rachel's at Girls on the Ball and we are at Upfront underscore pod. You can also find us on YouTube at Upfront pod. See you next week. Moments during that game. How physically tough was it, Alba? I mean, I'm so fucking tired. <laughs> I'm also so fucking tired. Upfront is a stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.